You're listening to Lies and Half-Truths, tales written and performed by A.P. Weber. So let's start with the obvious. If you haven't listened to part one of Cascade Rock, you should go listen to that before listening to this episode. In the last episode, we introduced the brothers Hafkin, Ven, and Darl. When we left them, they were fleeing up the sloping switchback streets of Cascade Rock to retrieve a map. On this episode, we find out more about that mysterious map and meet the terrifying bounty hunter Adracia, the inescapable. So onward to Cascade Rock, part two. On the other side of the dam, the road was muddy and uneven. Looking out from here, the tips of the pines tossed in the breeze like an emerald sea. Above, the shacks leaned perilously off the cliff edge. Just up there, Darl said, pointing to a platform hanging along the path above them. He cast a look at the rainbow road where the angry lumbermen were marching up the flagstone, accompanied by some green-smocked city guardsmen. The city gate heaved shut behind the mob. We better hurry, Ben said, tapping his brother and thumbing in the direction of the scene. Darl squinted down at the way. Bah, he said, turning and trudging on. We have plenty of time. They'll have to go to the magistrate first, then mobilize some guards to make an arrest. It's going to take all afternoon. How many times has this happened to you? Ben said, horrified. Because you seem very familiar with the legal system around here. I'm a halfkin, Ven. This kind of thing happens to us all. Which is why it would be nice, for the sake of us all, if you just keep your head down for once and stay out of trouble. Trouble finds me, brother. I can't help it, but don't worry about it. By the time they come for us, we'll have the map and be out of here. Fine, but that's the part. Actually, that's one of many parts I'm not clear on. How are we getting out of here? I got it covered. Don't worry. They climbed on in bristled silence, about midway up the road. After the next switchback, they came to a tall, leaning shack set so far out from the edge of the cliff, a rickety plank had to bridge the gap to the front door. Here we are, Darl said. He stomped across the wood and threw open the door. Inside, long shafts of sunlight shone through spaces in the wood slat siding, striping a cluttered interior and deepening the shadowy nooks. Amadis! Darl boomed. You hear? A massive black furnace stood at the center of the main chamber, its multitude of stovepipes mazing about the ceiling. 
Tables full of glass piping and copper coils blocked any direct course through the room. The stench of burned material permeated the air inside. Wood, dung, charcoal, meat, and more exotic fumes like metal and unnameable alchemical concoctions. Probably at the tavern. Old Amides likes his drink. Do you realize that you told the guards exactly where to find us? Ben pondered aloud. When? When you told them you were taking me to my kin, Amides. Darl's eyes searched his brow thoughtfully. Oh, right. Ben spoke with deliberate calm, as if to a tantruming child. Darl, we need to get out of here. Well, I mean, I do live here, so they'd know to come here anyway. Ben pinched the bridge of his nose. Darl, he said it like a rebuke. Fine, just let me get the map. His brother complained and scuffled off to climb a ladder to the loft. Hurry, Ben called after him. Don't worry, his brother's voice came from the gloom above. I have an idea for how to get out of here without any trouble. Darl shimmied back down the ladder, waving a folded parchment. Take a look at this while I pack some things. As hurried as he felt, Ben allowed himself to give the sheet Darl held out a long, skeptical expression before receiving it. The map, I presume. See what you can read on it, Darl said, hustling off to the loft again. It's too bad Amides isn't here. He's all kinds of clever, and almost as learned about lore as a halfkin. I thought about cutting him in on this, but wanted to see what you and Mama had to say about it first. See? I do think ahead about things. While his brother rambled on, Ven unfolded the parchment and smoothed it out on an empty section of table. He had to slide a few glass beakers around to make room. The markings on the map were faded and the light was bad, so he found an oil lamp, lit it, using the flint he always kept handy in his pouch, and set it where it could cast its light upon the page. His eyes widened at what he saw. The map that emerged in the amber light possessed the hallmarks of an antique artifact, weathered and fading. The geographical features it depicted were stylized. There was no clear way to read distances, but the artistry with which the landmarks had been rendered, the detail in each landmark, made Venn suspect that it would be very useful for navigation purposes. In addition, each location was annotated by hand as if by some ancient explorer with the steady, practiced penmanship of a craftsman. The writing was runic, its symbols well out of use, ancient even. If Venn had to guess at a glance, the characters were dwarven in origin. With the clatter of boots against rungs, Darl virtually tumbled back down the ladder from the loft his voice trembling with excitement. Can you read it? Ben frowned down at the parchment. A little is this. He thoughtfully tapped his fingertip below a monolithic landmark, bridging the gap between two mountain spurs on the far western edge of the map. Cascade Rock, Darl said. His face beamed with pride. Before there was a city here, before mankind settled it, 
So this... Ben spread his fingers over the expanse east of their location. This is what's up there. Beyond the dam. Out in the wild. Darl nodded with something like reverence, tinged with greed. Indicating the runic title near the compass rose, he said, The Valley of the Gods. Ben ran his eyes across the map again. It showed a mountain valley between several peaks of what had to be, given the Cascade Rock landmark, the Dawn's Edge Range, mountains commonly referred to by simple folk far to the west as the Edge of the World, due to the fact that few people ever ventured into them and even fewer ventured back out. A leggy, branching, and twisting lake took a prominent position at the center of the valley floor, clearly the result of this ancient dam. Perhaps other similar dams could be found on the other side of the range, but the eastern edge of the map faded, detail by ever-decreasing detail, into a blank page, as if that region was yet unexplored. The cartographer had marked several locations. They were beautifully detailed, out-of-scale portraits of the indicated landmarks. One appeared to be a tree emerging from a hole, another a rock crag upon which sat a constructed dome. That antiquated dwarven handwriting, in somewhat lengthy passages, accompanied each tiny portrait. Ben took the passages for descriptions of some kind. And there's treasure, he asked without looking up. Well, there are temples, Darl replied, a tinge of defensiveness in his voice. Ancient temples, forgotten temples, what are temples full of? Ben looked at his brother skeptically. Gods? Gods, Darl scoffed. There are no gods, just golden chalices and tools of sacrament and offerings to the priests just sitting there in some ancient charity box ripe for the plucking. Darl grinned and rubbed his hands together with such relish Ben couldn't help but be taken in by his excitement. So you've been up there? He asked eagerly. You've seen it. Did you bring anything back? Let's see it. Darl held up his palms. What? Been up there? Are you kidding? That's the wild. I'm not going out there by myself. You're the woodsy one, Ben sighed. Typical Darl. You brought the whole band here, and you didn't do any reconnaissance at all? By myself? How do you know any of this stuff is even out there? Ben said, waving a dismissive hand at the parchment. It's out there. I asked around. You asked around? Yes, Darl said, his eyebrows twitching with confusion. Why did you say it like that? I was trying to gather information. Darl, has it occurred to you that if everyone in Cascade Rock knows about your temples, there's a good chance that at some point over the last century in which this city has stood here, someone has already looted them ahead of you? Has that thought even... Well, of course it occurred to me. I asked about that too. And... Everyone's too scared to go out there. Scared of what? Ben said. The usual stuff. Monsters and boogeymen and the like. But we're halfkin. 
Here, Darl grinned, showing his prodigious lower incisors. Odds are, we're related to the boogeyman. Such confidence from a man who won't go out there alone, Ben said, studying his brother's face like a puzzle. There was a certain logic to his thinking, but it was still crazy. Listen, if you knew where the map came from, Darl began to say, but then he shut his mouth tight, as if thinking better of the statement. Where did it come from? Well, before I say anything... Ven folded his arms and set a look on his brother, lifted straight from their scolding mother. Who did you steal it from, Darl? I'm trying to tell you, but I just need to explain. A heavy rap against the door interrupted the argument. The brothers fell silent. Darl Hafken! A voice boomed from beyond the door. This is Magistrate Retton. Come out! And surrender yourself to justice! Darl whispered. How did he get here so fast? He scuttled over to a shuttered window and gingerly cracked it open for a peek. Then slammed it shut again with a start, throwing his back against the wall. Oh no, he said, eyes wide and tusks protruding from his gaping jaw. No, no, no! How did she find me? He clambered across the cluttered room, bowling over obstacles in his way. Come on, he hissed. We've got to get out of here. Ven stood rooted, pivoting on one foot to watch Darl tramp frantically around. He was unable to reconcile his brother's sudden blind terror with the recklessness of his usual behavior. Darl, calm down, he said. What are you so afraid of? Her, Darl wailed. Come on. We gotta go! With that, Darl pushed open a back door and slipped out into the sunlight. Go where? Ben called after him, snatching up the map. Following his brother, Ben crumpled the parchment and tucked it into one of the secret folds of his pouch. When he stepped through the back door, he found himself on a narrow, rickety balcony overlooking the road some thirty feet below. Even out here, the clutter persisted. Broken clay vessels, a telescope on a tripod, some potted herbs, and a pile of hemp rope. That last item, Darl was frantically sifting and detangling. Then took one step toward his brother and was about to say something, when, for the briefest second, he felt a shadow pass overhead. Before he could even look up, he felt a whoosh of displaced air, followed by something constricting around his throat. The unmistakable, cold sting of a blade pressed against the artery in his neck. His mind, suddenly focused, detected the scent of dogwood flowers, or perhaps honeysuckle, coming from the person who now arrested him. He dared not turn his head or so much as move under the certain conviction that any such action would result in an instant mortal wound from his pleasant-smelling assailant. He heard a woman's voice at his ear, low and even, speaking past him. Where's the map, Darl? Darl gaped in his direction and dropped the rope. Darl's cell was not onerous. 
A barred window overlooked the wooded dell below Cascade Rock and let in a fresh breeze, thick with the cool moisture and earthy scent of the fall. For nearly two full days, he'd been lying on his back upon the cell bench, listening to the scratching sounds coming from Bill's whittling knife outside the caged gate. It hadn't been the mob of angry lumbermen who arrested him. If that had been the case, the magistrate would merely have fined him and set him to pushing a mill for several weeks, or maybe sentenced him to a whipping. But, as it now stood, Darrell was being held for a past crime far more serious than vandalism. Stealing from a powerful man. The consequence for that theft would be severe. If it weren't for the imminent threat to his brother's life, he would never have surrendered. He shuddered at the thought of the blade that had been pressed to Ven's throat and the swift and deadly competency of its wielder. If Magistrate Retton had not arrived on the scene to defuse the situation, Darl was certain he and his brother would be dead. After a stern warning by the Magistrate, Ven had been allowed to go. The fact that his brother had secreted away the precious map in his clever pouch provided a measure of conciliation for Darl. They might be able to use it to bargain for his life once his family had secured his release. He only wondered what might be taking so long. He heard the heavy wooden door to the sheriff's office open and close, followed by a lazy response from his keeper. Looks like you got a visitor, Bill said, and went back to whittling. Darl smiled to himself. That would be them, he thought. He sat up stretched his arms, stood and crossed over to lean against the iron bars. What took you so long? He was about to say, just as his visitor came into view. Instead, he leapt back from the iron gate. What are you doing here? The woman stood still as stone, straight as a blade's edge. Tousled, jet-black locks hung about her shoulders and shrouded much of her face. She wore a weathered cloak, trousers, and high, muddy boots. A variety of blades hung about her hips from a leather harness. Bright, near-black eyes peered out from behind careless strands of hair, studying Darl with a cool indifference. I'm making preparations to deliver you to Lord Herath, she said in a low voice. He will return you to Baron Redway for your punishment. Darl nodded and swallowed dryly, the woman slid a dagger from her belt. The steel made a shimmering ring. She caressed the edge with a leather-gloved finger. What kind of a fool would steal from Baron Redway? What do you think the wearer of the crown of teeth will do to you? What will he do to your family if his property is not returned to him? Adresha, I swear to you, Adresia held a finger to her lips. Don't speak unless you're going to tell me where the map is. I sold it, I swear to you. She eyed him with an incredulous glare. I searched your shack. It wasn't there. So I must have overlooked it on your brother's person. Then has nothing to do with this, Darl insisted. Adresia waved away the lie impatiently. Instruct your family to bring me the map, or else I will inform Baron Redway that they have it 
you can be sure he will hunt and slaughter them all. With that, Adresha turned on her heel and left. A sweet floral scent lingered in the room when she was gone. Bill stopped scratching at his wood. Was that really Adresia? The guard asked breathlessly. Darl grunted an affirmative. Adresia the inescapable? The bounty hunter? Darl grunted again. She's working with Baron Redway, is she? That's a frightening thought. Glad she's not hunting me. Thanks for listening to Lies and Half-Truths. This episode was written and performed by A.P. Weber and produced by Meg Weber. Our theme was provided by Josiah Martins. Original music by Weep Bar. Musical production help from Mackenzie Stubbard. Consider liking, sharing, or reviewing this podcast wherever you listened to it. You can also support me, A.P. Weber, on Patreon. In any case, please join us again next time for more Lies and Half-Truths.